This is the Only Human podcast from Community Radio 4 Z out of Brisbane, Australia. Jerry Georgiatis, coordinator of the National Critical Response Trauma Recovery Project. What does the Critical Response Trauma Recovery Project do? The National Critical Response Trauma Recovery Project is suicide prevention focused, trauma recovery focused and uh, it's also non-racialized. It is all Australians. We have a pronounced focus on First Nations Australians because of the disproportionate impact. But uh, we're working with uh, First Nations Australians, migrant-born, uh, LGBTQI, uh, everyone uh, that you can imagine who have attempted suicide, who have been discharged from hospitals, who have called out for help. And we long-haul support them to reduce their levels of distress, to let them know that they're loved, supported. Uh, they get counselled, mentored, and we help them improve their life circumstance, uh, whether it be through education, uh, through training to employment, to improve their circumstance, to have a permanent uh, 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 stability to go forward. And, if, uh, and we deal with all sorts whether uh, of issues, whether clinical, non-clinical, psychosocial, and to improve their life circumstance from within that. Yeah. We wrap around a lot of support. It's long-haul support, and we outreach, and we travel, and uh, that doesn't just mean remote and regional. That's also in our uh, city, uh, in, in our capital cities. We will outreach to individuals, understanding that the critically vulnerable uh, even if they're living in our major cities, will not walk through any service, to any service, will not walk through any door. We all come to them and uh, we're 24-7. Since we spoke two years ago, how has the problem of Indigenous suicide changed? Every year of this century, without fail, the suicide toll for First Nations Australians has gone up each and every year of this century. So it's an unabated, uninterrupted crisis. In fact, three decades long. So we've got a crisis that there's a permanency of trend uh, where the tragedy of loss is increasing and also the attempted suicides. And the attempted suicides, there must be a focus on them too because there are many who are left with impairments uh, from the attempts and uh, with uh, organ shock and with renal dialysis, then therefore young children uh, and older. And uh, we've got to stop suicide ideation uh, from increasing as it has been uninterrupted. So one in 17 of First Nations deaths is a suicide. To put that in context, one in 50 of all Australian deaths is a suicide. Suicide is the leading cause of unnatural death in this country, but for First Nations Australians, it's a harrowing, staggering crisis. That's truly shocking. Can you speculate on the likely causes of this, uh, I guess it's an epidemic of young Indigenous people taking their lives? The causal narrative is poverty. Anyone else who disputes the intersection of poverty with suicide doesn't know what they're talking about and is not listening to the raw data that is screaming at, at us loudly. So this year alone, there have been 80 suicides of First Nations people. Uh, let's understand uh, that uh, in the first 10 years of the century, 201 to 210, there were 996 suicides of First Nations Australians. That's an average of 100 per year. We are now at an average in recent years of 160. That's a 60% increase. But of the 80 suicides this year, 
77 have been of First Nations people living below the poverty line, uh, the other three in proximity to it. That's an effective near 100% of First Nations people who have suicided uh, having lived below the poverty line. 73 lived in public rental housing, some form of social housing. Let's understand that social housing uh, is where the poorest Australians uh, live and they are the poorest Australians thereafter, only our homeless Australians. So would you say that uh, living below the poverty line exacerbates any other issues facing First Nations people in Australia? As with all Australians, uh, aberrant behaviour such as domestic violence, sexual abuse, various violence, relationship breakdown, uh, bullying, uh, the hardships and the accumulation of stresses associated with poverty are many times more likely uh, to take your life 10, 20, 30 and 40 times more likely than above the poverty line. In fact, the majority of Australia's domestic violence homicides uh, are actually of people living below the poverty line because of a sense of inescapability. Uh, those behaviours become much more pronounced below the poverty line than above the poverty line. Mm. Uh, for all Australians, socioeconomic disadvantage uh, is uh, prevalent in more than two-thirds of all Australian suicides. It can't be disputed the intersection of poverty uh, to suicide. Factors that take lives are much more pronounced and much more likely to do so below the poverty line because of a lack of agency, education, uh, financial capacity and supports uh, that are there above the poverty line or in relative affluence as opposed to below the poverty line. Mm. So I think Australians should listen to the fact that uh, if we look at domestic violence homicides for all Australians, not just First Nations Australians, uh, uh, near all of them are below the poverty line. So when you're living in poverty and you've got all other social issues, Obviously, a sense of hopelessness must pervade people's lives. As a researcher, what have you found are good ways to help alleviate the, the hopelessness that many people might feel that leads them to killing themselves? Well, there's an increasing sense of hopelessness for First Nations people because there's been a betrayal of expectations for those living below the poverty line because there's now a permanency of the type of poverty that they're living in, whether it's remote living circumstances or in public housing, yeah. uh, rentals in the major cities and in the large regional towns. And let's remember more than 75% of the suicide toll, despite the highest rates being in the top end, uh, the Kimberley, uh, Northern Territory and far north Queensland uh, in remote living circumstance, uh, that the majority of suicides, two-thirds and uh, three-quarters, in fact, 75%, are in our capital cities and in uh, uh, large uh, towns with a population of more than 100,000. So we should be able to reach these people and they're in proximity to, to services. Mm. But there are ways forward. Let's also understand uh, from a positive angle. And I worked in tertiary sector for a long time and worked with alternative pathway programs to bring in people uh, from disadvantaged backgrounds, First Nations, migrant-born. But the uh, great highest graduate cohort uh, these days from university is First Nations students who get the opportunity at university. They are now alongside their sisters and brothers migrant-born, uh, the sisters and brothers who are First Nations, who are students at university, the most likely to graduate, and they do graduate at the highest rate. In 1970, Kim, uh, there were no First Nations doctors, but today there are 500 First Nations doctors. Mm -hmm. In 1970, there were no First Nations lawyers. Today there are 900 First Nations uh, lawyers. In 1970, there were a few uh, First Nations entrepreneurs. Today, there are thousands of First Nations entrepreneurs. But the affirmative actions at the rate that they went at in the uh, first few decades uh, post-1970 have uh, dried up.
You are listening to the Only Human Podcast. What we need to do is actually lift people from poverty. Uh, we may have to do that in the context that we understand that uh, it isn't within our capability. It's only within government's capability to actually address the contacts nationally. But uh, as, as organisations, as our individual providers, as, our, as whatever project or program that we're involved with, the more individuals that we improve life circumstance, we also reduce the likelihood of suicidal ideation, disordered thinking, depression, that sense of hopelessness. Uh, if we actually focus in on uh, education for uh, individuals and their retention rate within that education and, and provide the psychosocial support, yep. uh, we'll be doing a great good in terms of trans- transformation and social return. Similarly so for uh, former prisoners coming out of prison recently released, there are programs that are working, go beyond the piecemeal to the radical transformation and do the training to employment and, uh, and there are programs now uh, transforming the lives of scores and scores of uh, uh, individuals who have left prison uh, and employing them with an adequate quid. Uh, what we should be doing is investing on mass in moving from the scores per year to the hundreds and the thousands per year to actually reduce reoffending, to reduce um, mass incarceration, and, and uh, so forth. So we should be investing in the transformation, uh, the affirmative actions of our people uh, to education, to uh, the trades training to employment and to the trans, uh, just changing lives. And in, in a matter of years, if we actually invest on mass, we will reduce the poverty rates between First Nations people and Australians. And the poverty uh, has to be understood. 40% of First Nations people uh, nationally uh, live below the poverty line. 14% of Australians uh, live below the poverty line. That's a two and a half differential. In the Northern Territory, 80% of First Nations people live below the poverty line and 60% of First Nations people in Western Australia live below the poverty line. So, And Western Australia is the mother of all jailers. One in 12 of all First Nations adult males is in prison today. That, from a racialized lens, that's the highest in the world. Uh, a tragic statistic that I would like listeners to hear uh, is the incarceration rate. We understand that Australia has a higher incarceration rate of its First Nations people uh, than any other country yeah. uh, on the planet of uh, when disaggregated, even higher than the uh, first uh, the American. Uh, but our First Nations Australians, of whom 11,000 are in prison presently, uh, 120,000 First Nations Australians living have been to prison. That's one in six of all First Nations Australians having been to prison. That's an abomination, moral, political and otherwise. So if you had uh, one wish that you could uh, ask the government to do to help deal with the suicide crisis, what would it be? Make me Prime Minister so I could actually... Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Social engineers are just doing. I couldn't help but say that. Okay, because that's the only way it's going to happen, Kim. The, the major wish that I would actually have to actually reduce suicide uh, in this country for First Nations people would be to actually invest in those leaving prison because there's a transformational yeah. value that has a social return to the whole family. When we understand that 120,000 First Nation people living have been to prison and that uh, and uh, 100% of those who have been to prison uh, live below the poverty line and 100% of those who suicide uh, live below the poverty line, and that one of the highest risk groups categorical to suicide is actually people uh, leaving prison. They are the highest suicide risk group and also to other unnatural deaths in the first year post-release. We can do more to invest in those individuals 
change not only their lives, but also by changing their lives, improve the lot of their families. Yeah. It would only take an $800 million investment one-off, and that would actually save governments billions of dollars uh, in the corrective services budget every year. But for me, it will actually reduce the suicide rate, it will change lives, uh, it would reduce uh, the uh, incarceration numbers, and we would uh, uh, transform the lives of individuals and families. We can do a lot more at the rudimentary and other levels uh, in terms of outreach, in terms of working with people that have attempted, and we should be investing in, in that type of social return. And, of course, we should be uh, relieving the hardship of families living in public rental housing where uh, the poorest Australians actually live. Reduce the rent share, which is 25 to 30%, to about 5, 10, 15% so that they can have a quid to actually afford the basic rudimentary essentials for their family. We should raise new start, new start, more than double that's actually what's being offered at this stage. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for talking to me. But before you go, can you tell listeners where they can find out more about the Critical Response Trauma Recovery Project and anything else that you're working on? Okay, so just Google the National Critical Response Trauma Recovery Project. Uh, you'll find a 1-800 number and uh, you'll find uh, a website uh, that's just about to uh, be released and, uh, and you'll find out more about us. Uh, you can always contact me at any time. Uh, all of us are 24-7. And, uh, and uh, we'll be there for you. Uh, the other things that I engage listeners to hear uh, is that there's opportunity for training to employment when you're leaving prison. The Nullamaya Aboriginal Corporation uh, has led the way nationally in the last couple of years with a record number of recently released prisoners whose lives have been transformed, uh, multiple offenders, people with uh, very little literacy and, uh, and numeracy, trauma-affected backgrounds, uh, hopelessness at its worst, the worst of cells. Uh, uh, they've set a national record for the most number of recently released prisoners uh, from, uh, to, through training to employment in 10, 12, 15 weeks, the majority of the first pilot program, uh, all uh, working now two years solid. Uh, they've just been uh, reinvested in, uh, helped them with the funding submission, and uh, 220x Justice uh, will be invested in. 23 have just uh, got through, and we're doing it at record pace. We're doing it all within a year, even though the funding was for three years. Uh, for me, uh, it is an indictment of the nation that numbers as low as 80 or 90 were a national record uh, for transforming lives. We should be doing this in the thousands. Yeah. This is why I've called yeah. for an $800 million investment. Uh, and in Western Australia, if they invest $60 million, uh, we can reach the majority of our all uh, prisoners uh, uh, soon to be released uh, to transform their lives. And instead of transitioning to homelessness, no fixed address to the type of aberrants that led them uh, poverty-related, that got them jailed up the first time, we can transition them to uh, earning a good, solid quid. There are success stories. There are three success stories at the moment where uh, three individuals just bought property, uh, their first home and land package, land and home package, and that's their families. Uh, just can't believe it. They're all earning over the six figures, 
And uh, who would have thought of that when I first sat with them in the prison uh, in their greens and they were saying to me, what are you talking about, Jerry? What are you talking about? But (laughs) 10 weeks later, post-release, their lives were changed. Uh, They were in employment, earning an incredible quid. And two years later, uh, they've uh, continued that transformation. You are listening to the Only Human podcast. Only Human is a weekly program on social justice, disability rights, psychology, social research and mental wellness. You can listen in Brisbane on 4ZZZ 102.1 FM and set digital on DAB Plus radios. Love community media? You can support 4ZZZ by subscribing or making a donation at 4ZZZFM.org.au.